0: and welcome to another episode of careering where we interview fearless females about what makes them tick both in business and in life. I'm your host Lori Halter and I can't wait to have you here today's episode. Let's jump right in. Today we're on with Wendy Trujillo, who's the head of advertising and social at College of the Canyons in Santa Clarita, California.
1: Welcome Wendy. Hi, thank you for having me. You
0: bet. So tell us about your journey with College of the Canyons. I know that you're the Director of Advertising and Social Media. I like asking all of my guests kind of how did you end up here and what has your path been to get here? Sure. Um, So I started with the
1: college about 16 years ago, um, and at the time they were only hiring for two positions. Um, Both of them were in financial aid, and one of them was a student services specialist, so the person that works the front counter, basically. And I ended up getting Mm -hmm. that job. Um, And I worked there in that department for about three years. Um, But as anyone who works in finance on a front counter can tell you, it can be very uh, emotionally challenging, you know, when you're dealing with people's (laughs) money. (laughs) So um, I had started maybe two years in to look for um, an opportunity to move up uh, in the college um, organization. And I applied for many different jobs. Um, I got to the final interviews for many of them, but they just were not the the right job. They were not the right fit for me. They were, I was not the right fit for those departments. So... Um, eventually a job opened up in the public information office, and it was an administrative assistant position. Um, And my degree is actually in advertising. So they were actually looking for someone not only to come in as an entry-level admin assistant, but that would then be able to grow within the department um, Mm -hmm. and eventually, um, you know, kind of rise through the ranks. So that was perfect for me because I wanted to um, move up. I didn't want to stay stagnant. I wanted to continue to see how how far I could go in the organization, sure. um, so I applied for it and actually got the job and had two really wonderful mentors and This is something that i um, that I, I am so grateful for because they saw potential in me and they pushed me every step of the way to not you know, not settle for where I was or what I was doing. They constantly were giving me, um, new projects, things to improve my skill level, um, things that would put me kind of, um, in the, in the limelight, so to speak, so that other people in the organization would see what I was capable of. And, um, They eventually promoted me to marketing coordinator a few years into the job, mm-hmm. and then um, I worked doing that for many years until they both retired, um, and when they retired, there was a reorganization for the department, and um, the gentleman who took over, who's my current boss, um, Eric Carnish, he was able to um, reorganize. He, he came to me and said, you know, what? how do you see this department working? What, where, where do you see yourself? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I said, I had been working um, on a job description for a uh, um, director of advertising and social media. We were one of the first community colleges to really jump on board uh, with social media. We actually had a MySpace page. So
0: that's okay, how well, early we started. Way back. Yeah, yes. Way back when.
1: Yes. So, um, so because of that, we were kind of on the cutting edge of utilizing social media for promotion. And I said, I think it's important that you have someone in this department that is dedicated to that as part of their job duties. And I Mm -hmm. already was, but, but it was kind of an add on. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I applied for it and got it. And I have been in this position now
0: for, I think it's been about three, maybe four years. Yeah. I think what's, so cool about your story. One is mentors, which I am such a huge believer in you and I know each other off of careering. And you know that like a mentor helped me begin my own business as well, like really yeah. helped me get my start. But then also the idea that you saw a need and literally created the job that you then got. <laughs> yes. so I think what's so cool about that and for maybe some of the younger women listening. A growth path doesn't necessarily have to be linear. Like, look for other opportunities that may not be um, getting represented and make your own path. That's right. I mean, if you
1: see a need, do the work behind the scenes. Your organization, your hierarchy will appreciate that so much more. If you come and you say, look, I've already done the work. I have a job description. I'm telling you what this person can do. They may not open that job position or, or, or buy into it right away,
0: but you've planted the seed at that point. Yeah. And I think it also shows, like you said, not only the seed for the job, but just your leadership qualities, like that you've taken initiative to make that happen. Exactly. Yeah. Well, um, we talk a lot about balancing busy lives with careers. That's like kind of one of my main themes of the show, because I have no idea how women are doing it. I do it only halfway most days. <laughs> so I'm dying to know, I know you have a college age daughter, which means um, you're an empty nester in your forties. Yes. It's so crazy. Yes. So, you know, how has it been? Like, how's it been with having her out of the house and now having your career and kind of going back to like, thinking for yourself for a little bit about what you want to do. Yeah. You know, it's been a huge adjustment.
1: Um, my daughter started um, at university this last fall. And so mm-hmm. um, I tell everyone it, it's, it happened quickly. Like her leaving the house, me becoming an empty nester, it snuck up on me. I mean, you see it coming, you yeah. know, your child goes through high school and, and you know, they're going away to college, but you don't realize what that means for yourself until it actually happens and i i went from you know driving her to school every day and picking her up and my schedule having to incorporate any of her events any of her activities anything the yeah. sports that she was involved in to none of that i mean i literally um see her once every couple of months at this point and it's, wow. it was a sh- sort of a shock because um you know i just spent the last 18 years with her as my priority yeah. So, it, I can imagine. Yeah, so it's been a it's been an adjustment and I think I think I really didn't realize it. I started um the transition happened in between her senior year and her uh first year of college. I started looking <laughs> for another job. And I wasn't sure if I wanted another job, but I, was, I thought, well, mm-hmm. I've been in the job that I'm in for a while. Maybe it's time for me to start moving up. And the yeah. opportunity wasn't necessarily here at the college I'm at. So an opportunity came up at a neighboring college and I applied for the job up there and I ended up um, getting it. And I turned it down because what happened was mm-hmm. I really started thinking is this what I want? I'm doing this because yeah. it's the logical next step. But is this uh-huh. really, is this really where I want my trajectory to go? Um, and I realized it wasn't that that I there were other things I wanted to do. And it suddenly dawned on me that with my daughter now away at college, and I had a lot of extra free time that I didn't have before. Um, and so because of that, I decided to go back and get my master's degree so that, um, I could teach. I decided I want, you know, my second career, so to speak, to be a college professor.
0: Very, very cool. So tell us a little bit about your math. I mean, I, well, before we get into that, let me just say, I think it's so great that when you had the extra time, you really took stock of where you wanted to go and, and put your time towards something productive because um, I know a lot of people kind of uh, that I've talked to at least flounder a bit after their kids leave and they, yes. they really look, they really have trouble finding their next step. So I think it's great that you're doing that. How has it been balancing trying to get your master's with a full-time career? Yeah, that's been really interesting. It's been 20 years since I got my bachelor's
1: degree. Um, and even though I work in a college, you know, in, in an educational industry in a college setting, I mm-hmm. actually being the student is much different. And so yeah. it was scary. I, I was very nervous to start. Um, I researched several programs. I knew I wanted to do it online because I'm a, I am working full time. And so yeah. um, I found um, the online program at Arizona State University and mm-hmm. they were, seemed to be a good fit for me. So I did my research. I found a good program, a very supportive program, which I felt I needed because I'm not fresh out of my bachelor's degree so it, it, right. this was going to require a little bit of a learning curve for me, yeah. and um, I started in January. I'm, I'm still a newbie, but just finished my first class, and it's been exciting and scary and, um, and a challenge for sure, uh, but yeah. it feels right. It feels like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I am on the right path now for me, at least for what I want to do. Um, and balancing, you know, work and school has been, um, at least in my mind, I've kind of, um, I've kind of come to terms with the fact that all the stuff I used to do for my daughter, all of that time is Mm -hmm. available now. So school fits
0: in there really nicely. Right. Well, and I think another nice, like offshoot of that is, I can't. I can only imagine that your daughter Mackenzie is seeing you go after something you really want, and so, even from growing her growing up with you and you having a career as she grew up to now, she's in college. You're going after a master's. Like, is there? what is kind of an important lesson that you want to make sure she takes into the world? She's in college. So within a couple of years, she's going to be in her own career. Yes. Um, so what would be like the most important lesson you feel like you want her to take with her based on what you've done? Um, you
1: know, I think if we're talking about just kind of an overall lesson sure. I, and I've always, I've always talked to her about this throughout her life is to be kind. And that seems really Mm -hmm. basic in general. But my point is, no matter who you meet or or what's going on, kindness goes a long way. People remember it, especially in this day and age of technology where we don't, you know, we're we're not as kind as we used to be because everyone's talking to people through the filter of a screen. And so people will remember that and when you're networking, when you need something, when you need a, a letter of recommendation, when you go to, on an interview, when you need someone to recommend you for a job itself, people will remember that kind of thing. Um, and I think that that's, that's been a very important lesson I've tried to teach her throughout her life is that sometimes, you know, we, we just have a bad day and someone's rubbed us the wrong way. But it's always better to err on the side of kindness because people will remember yeah. that and, and you'll, be, you'll benefit from it.
0: Absolutely. Like, I remember this is just kind of an offshoot example as you were talking that I was thinking about. This wasn't that long ago. I was working for a client. We went to a trade show. We worked our buns off during the trade show. Um, And I got back, and a couple of days later, I got a card in the mail. And the card was from the CEO of the company, personally thanking me for taking the time to come down and help his company with their PR. And it meant So, I mean, who sends written letters anymore? Right. That's (laughs) right. It meant so much to me to get that card in the mail um, for him to take the time to just, like you said, have like just a small kindness, but it made a huge impact on me. Yes. And you'll remember that. Obviously you remember it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's, I think that's perfect. And I, you're the perfect person for this. The other thing I've been talking about a ton with friends of mine, as you know, I have a 12 and 14-year-old. Yes. So you, social media is part of your position. Yes. But you also have a daughter who grew up during kind of the like explosion of digital age and social media. Mm-hmm. How did you handle that as she grew up? How did you handle kind of, you know so much about social media on the one hand, but then on the other, you're trying to handle a teenage daughter who right. has it at her disposal. Right. So do you have any thoughts on, you know, how you walked that tightrope? Yeah, well,
1: you know, my relationship with social media is definitely a love-hate relationship. I love it as... As a, a marketer, um, I, I love it as an adult in some ways. It's kept me connected to family members. I get to see pictures. Mm-hmm. I get to, you know, um, I get to keep track of family and people that I care about. But as a parent, it is very challenging. Um, Mackenzie did grow up um, using technology. Her father and I divorced when she was very young. And so she mm-hmm. ended up with a cell phone when she was very young because we just decided that that was a level of comfort. We could give her to speak to either parent, no matter who she was with. Yeah. Um, and sure. so we made that decision early on. But you know, that also opened up the door to social media and, and apps and and um, things that you know she wasn't um, emotionally or socially ready for. And so right. we really we really had to be on top of it. There was just no way around it. There was no way to be lazy about it. We had we checked her phone. Um, and we made sure mm-hmm. she understood this. This the phone was our property. She was getting to use it. It was her phone, but it. But we bought it. We managed it. And so, right. um, text messages were read. Um, any when she got old enough to join social media, any social media, she was required to have both her father and I um, on it as friends or followers or whatever, whichever right. social media it was. Um, you know, and yeah. she did try because all kids will push, push the boundaries of and, course. um, of you know, she, she thought she was more clever than we are, and so you know, occasionally uh, a spam—they call them spam profiles—would would show up in our suggested yeah. friends list. <laughs> and so I would send a message to her and, and say, um, either take that spam profile down or add me as a friend. That's the deal. Or we take all of your social media off. Um, right. So we just we had to pay attention. We really had to be a part of her social media existence, and uh, and the deal was. We, especially when she got older, when she got younger, um, you know, we were 100% involved. When she got a little older, right. high school age, we said, look, we're not going to post on your social media because that's the kiss of death to most high schoolers, right. and your parents <laughs> yeah. post. In fact, they just like to yeah. pretend that they were, you know, they popped out of an egg and they don't have any parents. So <laughs> exactly um, right. we... We said, look, we will not post on any of your pictures or your posts as long as they're appropriate. And uh, there were a couple of times she'd post something inappropriate, and I would say, I would post immediately, this is mom, you need to take this down immediately. (laughs) And I have never.
0: And of course, because it's mom, she probably did take it down immediately. (laughs) Seconds later,
1: it would disappear. I mean, it was extremely (laughs) effective um, because it was devastating for her to have me post on there.
0: (laughs) Okay, all you parents out there, really good tip here. Keep this in mind for your kids' social accounts. Yes. Humiliation
1: is the greatest form of punishment.
0: <laughs> yeah, and apparently just being alive is what's humiliating to most of exactly. our kids. So that's all
1: that I really think.
0: <laughs> I know we had, I had this discussion the other day, Emerson, my daughter, was, um, on TikTok, and I followed her, and she was like almost crying at the thought of me yep. following her. And yep. I was like so mortified, could not believe it. And I kind of said the same thing. I said, look, I want you to know that I'm on this application, and I see every single video that goes out. So right. make sure those videos are in good taste. That's make right, sure your right. mom would want to see the videos you're sending out. And that's
1: the standard. mortified. Yeah, that's the standard we need to hold our kids to on social media these days, because unfortunately for them, you know, when we were young, we could get away with stuff. We could, we could be inappropriate. We could do stupid things and get away with it because there was no record of it. These days, yeah. kids have a record of everything they do, and it will follow you yeah. throughout your life. And whether that's fair or not, it's the reality.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talk to our kids about that all the time, how like, you know, jokingly, but half seriously, like if I had a recording of everything I did through my college years, I would never get a job again. Right, <laughs> right. you know, it's like, I think most people, people feel that way. <laughs> yeah, it's just like you have to be way more careful than we, we were growing up. And that's just the reality of, of media today. Yes. Yeah, well, reaching, kind of getting back into, um the careering aspect, one other thing I always ask every yes, because I think it's fascinating and the questions or the answers change every time. I would say, do you think women can have it all? What, what about this idea of like, we can have it all, we can work, we can be great to the kids. We can be great to our husband. Have right. no ma- we're going for our masters. You know, um, do you think that's true or doable? Where do you come down on that?
1: Sure. Yeah, I absolutely think it is. But But at the same time, like what is having it all? What does that mean? That means something different for everyone. Sometimes having it all Mm -hmm. just means having a good job and being able to put food on the table for your kids and, and being able to afford to go out to a movie every now and then. And that's, and some people that's, that's having it all for them. Some, you know, some people it's having a career and having a family and having, um, you know, an opportunity to go back to school. I, I think what people have to understand is that having it all doesn't mean you have to have it all at the same time. You can, yes. if, if you can, and you can juggle it all, juggle it all kudos to you. Um, right. but it doesn't have to mean that having it all means maybe you have it all in segments of your life. You have different goals that you meet
0: as you, as you, you know, move along in your life. Yes. I love that. And I actually answer almost exactly the same way. When I get that question, I say, you can absolutely have it all just not all at the same time. I, I think it's, I think if you have in your mind, the goals you want to achieve, you can achieve every single one, maybe just not all at once. <laughs> Correct. Right. It will be yeah. a lot less stressful. <laughs> right. Exactly. Can we just make it this linear, please? Usually though the way life works is it all gets thrown at us at one time and we have to struggle, right? That's the truth of the matter. Right. That's
1: right. And, and maybe, you know, maybe having it all just means you find that, that inner peace of happiness, despite what's going on, you know, chaos is going to happen in your life regardless. Right, so I've, I've right. always felt like I have it all. If I, if I have happiness in my life and I, sometimes you have to, you have to um, purposely seek it out. Sometimes it's not something that happens to you. Sometimes you have to look yeah. around and recognize it yourself.
0: Yeah, and I think you're a perfect example of that from like creating your own job to trying to figure out what your next act, act will be with your master's. I mean, I think you've done that again and again, which Thank is so you. impressive. Yeah. So um, is there any last advice you have for our listeners? You share so many good things from social media to, you know, how to raise a really kick butt daughter. <laughs> but did, did we not cover anything that you want to share?
1: You know, I think we covered it all. I, the only thing I would say, and this is kind of out of left field, but it's because this is a, a podcast about you know careers and careering yeah. um, is is for for those of you looking for jobs, those of you thinking about changing jobs, I cannot stress enough and I, I say this because of the current position i'm in i've seen um, I sit on many many hiring committees my advice. Okay is to do everything you can to practice and take workshops on interviewing the interview mm. the interview is where it 's at, um, and not every you know you can be an amazing uh, employee you can be that spark that will really change an organization but i 've seen it happen yeah. so many times where that person that would be absolutely perfect gets passed over. Because they didn't interview well, and so many people don't. It's, it's. I think not only is it not a skill that a lot of people, um, that a lot of people just inherently have. I also think yeah. because of technology, we're not good at talking to people face to face anymore.
0: And Mm, so my advice
1: is practice. There are workshops out there where you can go. There are career centers where you can actually talk to a counselor that will give you um, some advice and kind of practice with you with some questions and and just being um, present and thinking off the cuff and and bringing your personality to the interview instead of you know just kind of the templated standard answers Um, because that makes all the difference. And I know there's a lot of people with a lot of talent out there that
0: really deserve the job, but they get passed over because they don't interview well. I think that is such a great piece of advice. I mean, and I hadn't really thought about it before you said that, but really just this idea that technology has taken away a lot of our face-to-face time and so that it really is a skill now that needs to be practiced.
1: It is. That's one of the reasons I'll tell you why I would like to be a college professor. I specifically want to teach uh, communication and i specifically yeah. want to teach public speaking for that reason because of the current position i'm in seeing so many people struggle with that with human interaction we've lost the ability right. to communicate it's now a skill you need to learn it's not something you grow up with anymore
0: so I think we need to have you back on in a couple of months to talk about <laughs> that very topic. But for now, unfortunately, I'm going to need to bring it to a close. But thank you so much for being on with us. You've shared so much great information. Thank you for having me. This was fun.